Hey everyone, it's Marquita Harris, Work and Money Editor for Essence, and welcome to Unbossed, a podcast for entrepreneurs, self-starters, and women who are about their business. When it comes to Black woman excellence in business, this isn't a new phenomenon. We've been here, but only recently have industries begun the slow shift to welcoming us as we climb the ranks. We are not outsiders. We belong everywhere our path takes us. Benita Stewart, Vice President of Global Partnerships at Google, is one woman who has, as she calls it, a mindset of not being othered. Instead, she says, I don't mind being the pioneer, but I won't be the only one. Bonita's path to success in the tech world is marked by determination and steadfast examples like her father. On this episode of Unbossed, Bonita shares lessons in being a trailblazer and the commitment that she's made to bringing others along with her to the top. Take a listen. Hi, Bonita. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm good. So Thank you for, you know, coming on. I'm excited to dig into all of the amazing work that you're doing at Google, but I like to ask everyone this very first question before we dig into everything. Tell me about your very, very first job. I want to know what was the first time that you were able to earn a few bucks, even as a kid, if you had like a after school job or anything like that. (laughs) Way back. Okay. So way back. Um, So my first job that I started earning, it was for me, it was always running my own business. Okay. Uh, So in the neighborhood, I would babysit. Okay. Uh, But it was my own business because I could then choose my own customers. But that was the first time that I actually started earning uh, my own money. Got it. Okay. And I like to kind of just ask that question because I do want to know a little bit about who you are and just where you come from and what your, um, you know, what your ideas around work were even from an early age. So just knowing that you were a babysitter, that is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> and, and people also had to trust you from a very young age. Um, and just knowing that you were entrepreneurial minded is pretty interesting as well. So can you kind of talk about what were you like as a kid, as a teenager, even? So I was always very purposeful uh, in terms of uh, my goals. Mm. Uh, I was always, a, uh, I would say I was a terrific student. I always was an honor student. Uh, I was always looking beyond and thinking, you know, much more expansively. Uh, and I, in fact, I was reflecting on this question where you ask people about their first job. Yeah. And with Black women today, running their own businesses at, I think it's a 500% growth rate. I'm almost really surprised that we're even asking, you know, what was your first job where you were actually working for someone? And I had to almost think about it a bit um, and then reflect on the fact that I really ran my own business where yes, it had required trust, but you were running your own operation. And so I think there's a difference between uh, actually going into pure and in, uh, employment uh, versus actually running your own business. And it's something that I did later in my career when I launched uh, One Moment in Time, okay. which was a formalware rental uh, company uh, that I had. And today, you know, it was, it was more brick and mortar, but today that would be called the real, real or yeah. the runway. Absolutely. So um, can you kind of get into what, 
because that is fascinating in itself and very future kind of forward thinking. How old were you when you decided to get into that venture? I was uh, in my um, uh, late 20s, early 30s when I was doing that type of business. Got it. And I know by that time, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm digging through my mental mental receipts. Um, You attended Howard and also Harvard Business School, correct? Yes. Okay. So can you kind of walk me through what did you major in? What was your educational foundation? So I actually majored in journalism. I, mm-hmm. My goal was to become a broadcast journalist. Uh, but when I entered school, I did have this background of just being entrepreneurial and thinking yeah. about running my own business. So I actually took more courses uh, in the at the business school and I minored in business. And in fact, I could have graduated earlier, but I stayed a little longer so I could take more business courses, but uh, I didn't stay long enough to actually uh, get a double major. And then at the time, I knew I was going to graduate school. Uh, It was just a matter of would I go to law school or would I go to business school? And in my evaluation of the legal, uh, a legal career versus a business career, I decided that I would pursue a business career because I felt as though you could own your own. And uh, it offered just much more optionality um, and just the breadth of learning that you could take across a multiple of of industries. So at that time, I uh, went back. I, uh, for graduate school, I applied um, based upon an internship that I had in New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, the person at the time, he said, you should just apply to the top business schools and call it a day. (laughs) <laughs> and so that's what I did. I applied to the top business schools and most of them do not accept uh, people direct from undergrad. Uh, my husband did go direct uh, from undergrad, but it's very rare. Okay. Uh, and so I was accepted into uh, Harvard Business School's program uh, through what they called a deferred admit. And it was, we will hold your spot for you. You're here. You're qualified for this particular spot, but we do want you to get work experience. We want you to actually uh, work uh, for a company so that you can provide greater value and have a more enriching uh, experience uh, on campus. Okay. And so that is when I uh, went and uh, to work for IBM. Got and it. so I would say that was my first role, yeah, you know, yeah. coming into IBM at the time. I was, you know, very interested, obviously, what hadn't even thought about, you know, working for a technology company. Uh, but it turned out to be the best, one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Uh, they were also very supportive after I was working there for uh, a number of months. I said, I have to disclose to them that I will only be with you for two years and then I will be leaving. Uh, but what they did uh, when I did tell them that I was going to Harvard Business School, they just latched on to me and, sure. and made sure that I had um, all of the experiences because they felt as though that IBM could be represented uh, in the classroom. And even between my first and second year, uh, I could have done something else. But they said, look, we want you to go work in Armonk, which was IBM's headquarters, because we felt as though 
uh, they felt as though at the time that I had a very narrow view of IBM and they wanted me to have a broad view of the company, of all of the products and services that the company offers uh, so that I could make an informed decision when I left uh, Harvard Business well, School. I do have a question for you. At that time, what was going on in tech? You know, what was the industry like? What was new when you were entering that space, if you can remember? So during that time, I would say there it was there were mainframe computers, okay. and then there was distributed data processing, and then there was this emergence of so at the time there were office products. So think about yes, there were IBM typewriters, and yeah. you start to think about the different uh, computers and and having a personal computer. And so it was during that time, even after I left business school, I decided I was uh, had a framework. Okay. And so my framework was around marketing, which was the four Ps. I said, I am going to get uh, uh, experience in every single one of the, the four Ps, meaning a product, which is okay. one, product marketing. I was to work in pricing, a uh, place, which is more distribution, of products as well as promotion, which is more of the advertising world. So I left to work in pricing. So I was doing hardware and software pricing. And then at the time, that is when personal computers started to rise. And so I was asked to actually move back east. And and someone even asked me at the time, why are you going to work for the, the PC division? Yeah, uh, because you should be working for the mainframe division. That is exactly where you should be. And there was just something that told me, no, I think everyone will want a personal computer <laughs> if they can have one. And, and so I elected yeah. to not take that the familiar road, but to actually take what I call the road less traveled and try something uh, differently. And that just moved me right into the heyday of uh, PCs at the time. Gosh, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm kind of throwing just all these thoughts are floating around in my head as you talk about, you know, that time where we were just getting PCs. And I remember how big of a deal it was to get that first, you know, computer in the home and the first time we we used it. And and then to look at where we are now on PCs and on laptops. And it's just kind of wild to think about how how fast we've evolved in tech. Um, so let's go back to where you just mentioned um, kind of taking the road less traveled. And I think for a lot of a lot of women, a lot of us, when we're in our careers and you know we're we're rising up, we're trying to like you know go up, whether it's that corporate ladder or go to the next level and open a business, whatever it is. There's always this moment where you're kind of thinking, okay, should I do this? What should I do? Maybe a little um, kind of hesitant because of all the indecision and it's overwhelming. So can you kind of give some advice to the women out there who are maybe in that place right now where they're debating, should I just, should I go this path that's kind of clear or should I take that road that's a little less traveled? So I get this question a lot. Uh, Today and I've been in that situation myself. Uh, I I would say I think first and foremost, don't talk to a lot of people. <laughs> okay, uh, because I think that be, that really confuses your thought process. And I know people are will say, well, I have a mentor. I you go to your mentor, but I do think in today's business environment, going to your mentor, you may get 
the same answer mm. versus really thinking about for this decision that I'm trying to make, who should be my board of directors? Who actually should I go to uh, to make this decision? So when I joined Google in 2006, I was leading you know, all of the digital um, for uh, the uh, Daimler Chrysler. So I had all of uh, Chrysler, Dodge, and Jeep. Uh, and when that uh, opportunity landed, I did not, I talked to my husband yeah, and I found someone who was a dear friend who was uh, a CTO, a chief technology officer. And those were the two people I asked. Okay. I needed a forward thinking view of technology. Yeah. And, and that is how I made my decision. And so to this day, what I try to do is, yes, you want to follow a bit of your intuition, but you also want to make sure that you're exploratory as you think about your career. And as I think about my career, I always think about the skill sets and what I'm trying to accomplish. So here I was, you know, in one company at the time, I asked myself, I could either take one company through the digital transformation error, or I could take the entire industry. And so I decided, why not me? Why not lead the entire industry uh, through this uh, digital transformation uh, process? So that is how I joined uh, Google. Got it. And that's also very great advice that you mentioned about kind of, you know, it, it sounds like you were very intentional about knowing, okay, who I should, you know, if I'm getting professional advice, who I'm getting it from my husband and from, you know, the CTO, because I, I know their opinions. I trust that they're going to be very upfront and that's it. (laughs) Not getting, not crowdsourcing a lot of advice. So that's fantastic. Um, Can you kind of talk about, of course, you're in this space as a black woman and I've, um, I've briefly had some, I've briefly been in this space a little bit. And of course, it's overwhelmingly, there, there are a lot of white men at the tops of these companies and um, you don't see a lot of black women. So what was it like navigating that space early on as a black woman? Did you feel, um, did you feel othered all the time? Did you feel, uh, were there challenges that you had to deal with that you felt maybe other people didn't understand? I think personally, I've always considered myself uh, the daughter of a pioneer, and I feel I am a pioneer uh, as well. So my father was one of two African-American pilots uh, who actually flew Mach 2, which is twice the speed of sound. He flew the B-58, and it took him a while to actually become a pilot, but then he was part of that cohort, and then that cohort can, you know, would continue to grow. And so I think going into the technology, my mindset was, yes, I don't mind being the pioneer, uh, but I'm not going to be the only one. Yeah. And so it's, it's bringing in a mindset of not being othered, but actually bringing others uh, so that uh, you're not in with a number of unicorns, but you're actually starting to create more of a movement and creating more interest in tech. Mm-hmm. And so that has been um, part of, of my career is just making sure that the Black community 
see STEM and seeing there's a business side to STEM. Yes, there's also uh, the engineering side and the product side to it, but there's so many other ways that you can actually touch the technology field. Wonderful. So let's let's fast forward up to where you are today right now um, in this role, um, Director of Global Partnerships for Google. Um, it sounds like a large taking. So can you kind of tell me, for those out there who are unfamiliar with that kind of work, what do you do day to day? And um, how can people who are maybe trying to pivot into tech right now, um, what advice would you have? I guess that's a, too, a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, so I'll separate uh, in terms of advice, in terms of uh, leading global pro- partnerships. I am on the business side of tech, uh, and I, through my team, we lead and work and partner with all of the leading publishers. Uh, So anyone that is using a digital platform is what we call a publisher. So that's whether you're traditional across news and and publishing, media and entertainment, uh, telco, commerce, we have apps. Uh, There's also, we have search partners. Uh, So these are all of the partnerships uh, across the the major companies uh, within the U.S. And they're looking to utilize our uh, technology uh, and for us uh, to partner with them to help them think about uh, new business models, emerging business models. Uh, but most importantly, uh, we do help them drive uh, profitability uh, to their bottom line. Mm, okay, great. So now what advice do you have for people um, who may be trying to pivot? They want to do what you do. What, do, what skills, what do they need to have to do the kind of work that you do? Well, I would say there's probably specialist skills. Um, so in my case, uh, from a technology perspective, it was having initially having that industry experience. So I came in with automotive experience uh, from there. They said, based upon your automotive experience, we think you can cover a larger group of industries. So I moved in from auto to actually cover finance, media, entertainment, uh, as well as travel. So that was, uh, you know, Think of it as a large division of uh, the team. And so it was business skills, quite frankly, Uh, having the business skills, having a marketing background, having a financial background, uh, having worked from a pricing perspective. And then on the partnership side, it was gaining exposure on our business development, uh, ensuring that you can enter into agreements and deals mm-hmm. uh, with uh, partners, and then also uh, having global uh, experience. Uh, so I think an entry point is understanding the specializ- specialization that you can bring to the technology field. Okay. That's the entry point is the specialization. Got it. Um, so let's, let's, Let's pause a little bit um, in terms of talking about your professional life. Um, let's get into, let's dig into your personal life. I'm kidding. Don't, don't sweat bullets. <laughs> but I want to know, um, I think as women, we tend to work so hard. And often um, I was looking at some statistics recently. And in a nutshell, women are uh, the least likely to use their vacation days. So can you kind of tell me, how do you achieve work-life balance, especially in this climate that we're in, working from home? Um, a lot of people have times, you know, or have a hard time cutting things off by a certain time of day. 
How do you do that? I, I think part of it is uh, compartmentalizing. And I think over time, uh, <laughs> you just learn that well-being is so important. I mean, we all need to stay healthy. Uh, but the one thing that I did, that which I really encourage everyone to do, I was reading an article uh, a while back, and it says most people start with a hobby and then they let their hobby go. Okay. And I say, keep your hobby, even if you're not the best. You can have joy in even being mediocre. So to give you an example of that, I have always taken ballet. I My father pulled me aside and I knew I w- this wasn't going to be a career. He said, stick with your academics. Uh, but it was something that I enjoyed actually going into the studio, you know, putting on my ballet slippers and throughout my entire life, I have found that studio and wow. that studio became my really sacred space. Okay. And I continue to do adult ballet today. Yeah. I am doing it online. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, despite this environment, but Having that hobby, I think can, if you have a hobby, it just keeps you grounded and having something that you can do for the rest of your life is, is something special. And it's always a place that you can go to, uh, to have your own release when you need to. Yeah. I love that. And I, and just the idea of just the fact that you called it a sacred space, because that's, that's what it is. And, um, I also think we're in a space where we're kind of encouraged to monetize our hobbies and not just, you know, really enjoy them for just the pleasure. So just the idea of doing something and knowing (laughs) you can be a little mediocre, that's fine. You're doing it for joy. And that's that. So um, can we talk a little bit about mentorship? Um, You kind of talked just a little bit about it earlier, but are you in a position where you're, um, either being mentored still or uh, mentoring others? And can you kind of talk about that experience a little? Yes, I, I will say that I am mentoring others. I actually leave time on my calendar to have open office hours because I do think it's important that as you continue to ascend uh, within your career that you are accessible. You know, you should be accessible to others. And so the best way I do that is to have an open door policy. So it's a bit like speed dating, but people can come in uh, and have time on my calendar. And I continue to operate more in having that board where I need major decisions or what do you think about this? Uh, Being able to tap individuals uh, based upon the situation. So I'm more, I would say it's situational mentorship. Uh, is what I would uh, categorize how I utilize it for myself. Got it. Um, you've spent 15 years at Google and you've been in different positions and they've been uh, pretty amazing roles. And you, at least from my perspective, you've successfully, you know, kind of done these things and moved on to something better and bigger. And how, like, what advice do you have for someone trying to pivot within the company that they're in right now. And so I've been with Google at the end of uh, this month. It will be 14 years. (laughs) And I, the way I think about pivoting is not thinking about it in a linear fashion. I think more of a zigzag. And I think about skills uh, development. So I think about how can I be the best digital executive in the world? 
And what am I missing? Yeah. Okay. And so that's how I assess my skills to make sure that I have enough yeah. uh, so that there's a level of expertise. But at the same time, I give an honest assessment to say, what are the areas where I could be a better executive? And then I am more courageous to throw myself into those areas so that I can learn uh, additional skill set to be able to uh, operate in a, in a broader fashion. Got it. Wonderful. Um, because I, of course, when I was digging around and um, looking on your LinkedIn and kind of, you know, digging around on, on Google, um, <laughs> I, I just thought that was so amazing that you've been able to be with this huge company for this, you know, for this period, which I think um, is fortunate in itself, considering the job market <laughs> right now. And just to be able to have that space where you can go into other areas and you can grow and learn and continue as opposed to um, feeling the need to kind of leave a job, you know, and maybe come back because I think a lot of people also do that as a strategy, you know, to move forward in their career. So kudos, kudos to you for that. Uh, the name of this podcast, of course, is Unbossed. It seems like you've, you've very much navigated your career in a way that was limitless and where you've kind of been able to, you know, you've been very intentional. And that to me is it's so important to know um, at any stage of your career. So to me, you're unbossed. Uh, so tell me, what is your definition of the word unbossed? And also, who's a woman that inspires you who's also unbossed? For me, being unbossed is owning your own narrative. I intend to write my story and I will write my story. And it's, it's making sure um, my father always talked about the four C's. He wrote um, an essay called The Trail to Success. And so for me, being unbossed is, is taking those four C's of courage, culture, uh, concentration, and character. Mm. And it, with those four C's, I am unbossed. And I will write my own narrative. Uh, in terms of someone who has been influential, um, I'm an avid reader. And so I would say it's Maya Angelou uh, because she is the one you can pick her up any of her poems. And so whether it, we are the miraculous, still I rise, life doesn't frighten me, mm -hmm. or phenomenal woman. Yeah. All of those poems have just been uh, there for me and they're timeless and uh, they build a level of resilience that will allow really everyone to create their own story and their own narrative. I love that. And I may have lied. Now I have to ask you, are you reading anything now? Because I need some recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, I'm reading a, a, a number of uh, different books. I, I just finished uh, Colson uh, Whitehead, The Nickel Boys, you know, such a, a brilliant writer. Um, and then William Darity, uh, there's just so much going on right now in the world. And I'm reading From Here to Equality, um, more of a historical uh, account. I just finished uh, an HBS professor, Frances Fry. She's uh, written a, uh, a book on leadership, which is something that it's, I uh, tend to study, and it's called Unleashed. Okay. And so it's really empowering others. You know, how do you build an, and, uh, a team that's uh, through empowerment? 
Uh, so I, I have a full stack. I love that. I love these recommendations. Um, and like I said, technically those are, those last two questions are supposed to be <laughs> the end, but when you say books and we start talking about that, I have to know, okay, what are you reading? I need inspiration. And I'm, um, I'm also kind of in a space where I'm like, okay, I need to freshen things up and get some new perspectives. So thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and um, for all of the wisdom that you just kind of gave. I hope uh, everyone has a notepad <laughs> ready when they're listening to you. And um, yeah, we're all set. All right. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Unbossed. You can find Unbossed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, please be sure to leave me a review and let me know what you think. Be kind, but be critical. That's okay, too. Don't forget to hit me up on social at Marquita underscore Harris underscore. Be sure to use the hashtag Unbossed Podcast. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys.